Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about what could be seen as a slightly controversial topic, labels. You're probably asking yourself, why would labels be controversial, Amanda? Well, there's a whole group of people who think that, hey, we're over-labeling. There's too many people getting labels right now. Why can't we just have it be the simple stuff that we're used to? But then you have these other communities who are giving themselves these labels because the labels provide a sense of understanding and community. So what I'm going to share today is my experience with getting my labels. Before we dive in this week, friends, I just want to remind you to go check out the ADHDlady.org to see all of my available coaching services and upcoming courses. February 12th, I'll be hosting an ADHD and relationships class. And I have some discounted early bird tickets, so be sure to go on and check that out. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and like for more. All right, so let's dive into this week's topic, labels and my journey to get this label. You see, I had an opportunity as a child to be diagnosed, to get answers. But at the same time, if I got those answers when I was a kid, when that doctor said, hey, I think uh, I think she might have ADD because ADD was still something that people said. And actually, it is still something that some doctors say. And if your doctor says that, then that means they're not up to date on the DSM because ADD is a part of ADHD. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but hey, I'm ADHD. It's hard for me to remember some things sometimes. So If I'm repeating myself, I do apologize, but hey, there's new people joining in all the time, so let's do a quick little ADHD overview. So if you are a listener who was diagnosed with ADD, this all still applies to you because ADD is now a part of the ADHD diagnosis. It is an umbrella that covers three different subtypes. So first we have ADHD hyperactive impulsive type. And this particular subtype really focuses on the ADHDers that are struggling with that hyperactivity as well as impulsivity. The next subtype is ADHD inattentive type. This particular subtype is what many people used to know as ADD, where the primary difficulty is with inattention. And then lastly, we have ADHD combined type, which deals with different issues from both inattention and hyperactivity. The thing to bear in mind, though, is that ADHD itself is a spectrum, which means the level of difficulties that we have with our own ADHD will change from, hey, not even just day to day, but sometimes minute to minute. I'm looking at you, those really fast mood swings from emotional dysregulation. But the interesting thing about ADHD is that we can also go in and out of where those struggles are. So for me personally, I have had years of time where it was more on that hyperactivity side that I really struggled, where I was impulsive in conversations and, you know, that created difficulties in my relationships. But I've also had periods of time where I've fallen more into that inattentive type. And that's why for me personally, I am a 
ADHD combined type. I have struggles on both ends of the spectrum. So yeah, ADHD is also a spectrum disorder. And actually, it being a spectrum disorder is part of the reason why so many people have had struggles over the last two years. Because before 2020, many of us developed certain coping skills and had some level of routine and structure in place until the world shut down. And when that happened, all of those skills that we put in place for ourselves weren't usable in the same way that they had been for years prior. And as a result, many people received their ADHD label. I'm someone who was diagnosed in 2020. The first week of lockdown, I was already sending myself into shame spirals of, well, I've been saying if I had the time, you know, then I could get a whole bunch of stuff around my house done. And here I am with nothing but time. And why can't I do it? Because even though I had the chance to be diagnosed as a kid, because of what that label meant back in the 90s. I never received a formal diagnosis. It's something that always lived in the back of my head, and I was one of those people who was like, oh yeah, I'm a little ADD. Because I knew that there was, on some level, a likelihood of that being the case, but I never received the diagnosis. My dad got one. My sister got one, but she got her label because she had difficulty in school. The reason I didn't get mine was because I wasn't struggling academically. I had a whole slew of other issues, but even at that time, with the knowledge that we had about ADHD and autism, especially with how those presented in those assigned female at birth, like myself, the information was just not what it is today. I mean, instead of diagnosing women with autism, the term HSP was created. Well, you're just a highly sensitive person. And it's funny because I actually recently unlocked a memory where a medical doctor at one point told me that maybe I had HSP. I think you're just a highly sensitive person because I was feeling the level of pain within my body so intensely. I actually wound up having another really serious chronic illness that was not diagnosed for at least another two years. Yay, hereditary angioedema. But back to the ADHD of it all. So when I got my diagnosis, the first thing I did was do all of the research. I had been familiar with ADHD. I had been researching ADHD because I've worked in learning support since 2013. And before the diagnosis, I was looking at more things on ADHD because my partner is an ADHDer. He told me on one of our first dates that, hey, I have ADHD. And that was very evident on our first date. But since we had gotten together, I had started learning more and more about ADHD. And ironically enough, so much of it made sense for me. Even as I sat in in-services for learning support, I would sit there and I'd be like, oh yeah, these fidget toys are great. This is something that I would love to use regularly. Oh yeah, I feel really uncomfortable when I make eye contact. Oh yeah, it's really hard for me to initiate tasks sometimes. But the reason I did not think, oh, it's ADHD, was because what I actually thought was, well, I'm just lazy, crazy, or stupid. There couldn't be a reason that I'm having these struggles. No, no, no. I'm just messed up. I'm broken. I'm not broken. You're not broken. And that label changed everything. My mindset completely shifted. Instead of me looking into ADHD as how can I help my partner, I began to look into ADHD and what that means to be a woman with ADHD. 
how that presents in many of us. And one of the first things that I did was create a women with ADHD inventory for myself. It's actually a tool that I use in coaching. And as I pulled all of these different traits and symptoms together, it all started to click. I started to get the best understanding of my brain that I have ever received. Because diagnostically for me, as far as my mental health stuff went, I always knew there was anxiety there. I have had bouts of depression. Most of those bouts were actually more of a result of other traumas that I had experienced. And when I started working with my current therapist, one of the first things that we had discussed as a diagnosis was PTSD. I had suffered trauma from losing my son. My entire marriage could be described as traumatic. Actually, that whole relationship could. And so I had a lot of things when her and I started working together that I was working on recovering from, getting through all of the abuse and trauma, healing from that. And over time, I started to. But there was still something else blocking my ability to do things. There was still something else that then presented as me rambling on and on and having jumping and hopping thoughts from this to that. And actually, when we were sitting down that day that I got diagnosed... We were talking over Zoom, and my brain was scattered between all of these thoughts and ideas and was basically describing executive dysfunction, that I don't know why I can't do this stuff. I'm home. I've been home by myself for over a week now. How, how do I just do it? How do I get up and clean the house? I want to clean the house. I want to organize things. I want my systems to be in better shape, and I just can't do it. To which my therapist stopped me and said, Amanda, I think we need to medicate you for ADHD. That moment, that label brought so much clarity. It changed my whole life. And the next session, we did do the thorough diagnostic process. But it wasn't something I was joking about. I really am a little ADHD. Actually, I'm a lot ADHD. And having that label sent me in the direction of research. I started making that list that I was just talking about. Everything from you spend a lot of time and effort to look normal and hope that no one knows the real you, to you have an uneasy feeling that unpaid bills and forgotten projects are hiding under all the paper. Oh yeah, don't forget that your desk is covered with piles of paper. Even when you make a big effort to tidy it, it only stays clear for a day or two. Then there was the, you talk more than anyone else you know. You feel very embarrassed to have guests visit because your home feels so cluttered and disorganized. The list goes on. But the label, that diagnosis, shifted my entire perspective on myself, on my brain. And it started to do the best thing for me. It started to give me a sense of who I really am. Because I am ADHD. It's not a purse that I can pick up and set down when I want. It is part of my identity. Not my whole identity, but just like someone would call themselves a mom, being a mom isn't all they are, but they also wouldn't call themselves a person with a child and just call themselves a mom. It's part of their identity. It's part of what makes them them. And ADHD and autism are part of who I am. So we get the PTSD label. We work through that. We, we get some pieces cleared up. We start healing, but there are still parts that don't make sense. There are still pieces of the puzzle that are missing. So then next comes the ADHD piece. And it explains another part of the puzzle that had a missing piece. Okay, yeah, executive dysfunction. That's my whole freaking life. 
So then I start to work on that and I learn all the skills and strategies. I buy all the books. Okay, not all, but a lot of books, guys. <laughs> and I start researching and watching YouTube videos and reading articles and starting to look up NIH articles. And with each piece that I read, more parts of the puzzle come into clarity. This puzzle of who is Amanda really? Oh, I really do that. That's, that's me. That makes so much sense. Oh my God. It's not that I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm lazy and I can't finish things because I'm lazy. It's that I lack task initiation. And that's why I have no follow through. Because task initiation is not just starting the thing, it's also completing it. And the fact that I had no follow through was something I was told my entire life. Another thing that came into clarity was why it's so hard for me to practice things. Because sometimes repetition really does help, but other times I get so impatient and frustrated and it's like, can I just do it? Like, why do I need a rough draft? Why do I need an outline? I'm just going to give you the thing. I was in a playwriting class my senior year and I wrote this really great play. I was really happy with what I wrote. But part of the course was that we needed to do rewrites. And when I did my first draft, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to need to do a certain amount of rewrites. And I actually got a lower grade than I should have because I didn't change enough of my final draft from the first copy. I didn't change it because I liked it to begin with. I didn't want to change it. I wasn't making this story so that I could do all this extra work and write it all over again and write basically a new story. I wrote the story I wanted to write and that was it. Had I had a diagnosis of ADHD and an understanding of that part of my brain, that's an accommodation that I could have had in school that I just get to write final drafts of things because outlines and rough drafts were too much repetition for my brain. It made me impatient, gave me low frustration tolerance, and it just felt useless. I do see the benefit of those things now, but I did not then. So something I actually did in school a lot, but I don't know why I didn't do it in the playwriting thing. But anyway, Something I did in school a lot was purposely write the whole paper with spelling errors and other mistakes in it. And then I knew for my final draft, I just had to go back and correct those couple of things instead of having to write a whole new paper. It was actually one of the coping skills that I developed for myself. I knew this other thing frustrated me, but I didn't know why. But the diagnosis, the label of ADHD explained why. It explained so many of the challenges that I have faced in my life explained half of the fights that I had with my ex because he wanted me to be Miss Susie Homemaker, the perfect 1950s housewife, and my ADHD ass was never going to be that. I wanted to be. Then I did. Now I see how messed up that was. But at the time, I really, truly wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to be able to keep my house a certain level of clean and organized and I wanted to be able to cook these wonderful dinners every night for him. But a lot of nights the dinners I made were frozen vegetables and some quickly heated up chicken. And some nights I finally got the functioning, which I didn't know that's what it was then. I didn't know that it was nights where I wasn't battling executive dysfunction. I just thought, oh we have more energy today so now I can do that really awesome fancy meal. Tonight I can make chicken paprikash, which is like an hour to make it. 
But I didn't know that was what the struggle was. I didn't know that it was too much executive functioning and that's why I couldn't make those meals. But now that I know that, I actually do make really awesome, delicious meals. But I also have a partner who shares the load with me. What we do is actually we have assigned nights. Monday and Thursday are my late nights at work, so those are his nights to cook dinner, and Tuesday and Wednesday are my nights to cook dinner. Then Friday, we do fend for yourself, either have leftovers or order whatever food we want, and then on the weekends, we cook together. But the system really works for our dual ADHD relationship for a few different reasons. One, I like things to be fair because I'm also autistic. So having that equal delegation, especially after what I went through in my last relationship, is a game changer. For both my brain, but also for my heart, too. It's really nice to not be the only person doing all the work. But because it's not a requirement night after night, I also have some breaks in between. And that gives me the opportunity to kind of build up that functioning and excitement for what am I going to cook on my night? That newness and novelty of, ooh, I get to try something different today is actually fulfilling again, because I also don't have to worry about, oh, I'm the only one who has to clean up this. When it was just me and I was in my apartment by myself, I kind of created a system like this for myself where some nights I would cook and I would leave some leftovers so that I didn't have to cook other nights. And by giving myself those breaks between these nights of more executive functioning, because cooking is a lot of steps. It helped me to start to rebuild that enjoyment of cooking. And boyfriend would cook some nights too. And then once we moved in together, we realized that, you know what? It is a lot easier when we don't have to do this night after night by ourselves. The other thing that we do is require no decision making from the other partner. So on our night to cook, if we don't have the executive functioning to cook that night, that's okay. But it's our responsibility then to order dinner for both people and to not bug them about what they want to order. Unless they have like a specific thing that they want. You know, if he were to say to me, hey, if you are ordering, I would really love Chinese. But then it's still my job to do the work of calling and placing the order and going to pick it up or getting it delivered or whatever. Just so that we don't have to put all of those extra steps on the person who is not covering dinner that night. It's a system that really works and helps. But anyway, the label is why we were able to start developing these systems, to start figuring these things out, because we had a stepping stone. We knew where to begin because, hey, ADHD is part of why these other things have been so hard. And then for myself, I had all these stepping stones. I resolved so many struggles with the executive dysfunction, and yet I still had these sensory issues. And I still had some level of social difficulty. And I couldn't figure out why. It's not the PTSD. It's not the ADHD. So what's left? What are these other issues rooted in? Because knowing the root cause helps us to figure out, okay, what do I need now? What's going to help me work with who I am? And then this past summer, found the last piece of the puzzle my psychologist and I started talking about autism. The previous summer, she had actually challenged me to work through some of my sensory stuff. And we were talking about how to do it together. And she recognized that some of the difficulty didn't really have a cause that we could see until we started talking about autism. And she threw a whole bunch of things that she had witnessed from me 
from the time we started working together. Heck, when we started talking about autism, one of the first things that she said to me was, you know, you did have an abnormal social approach when we had our first session. That's something I remember very clearly about that day. And I was like, say what? But she went on to say, you know, but at the time you had so many other things going on. And that's the thing with an ADHD and autism diagnosis, especially later in life, you have to rule out other possible diagnoses first. So PTSD fits some of it. ADHD fits some of it. And then autism fit the rest of it. And for the first time in my life, I understand my brain better than I have ever understood it. And that comes with this sense of clarity and peace, but also with a way to look at my life now in a whole different view. This understanding of all of the different puzzle pieces coming together actually brought me to tears the other day in my therapy session. Because I told her, I was like, it's, it's finally all making sense. I see how this is interrupting my life here, and I see how this interrupts my life here, and I see how this interrupts my life here. And I actually know how to work with those things now. Instead of just feeling like I'm drowning, I have answers. I have a place that I fit. And the other part of having a label is a community that comes with it. With PTSD, there is a community of survivors, and I clung to that community when I got that diagnosis because these people got it, especially others who survived narcissistic abuse. It was like finding part of my tribe. And then the ADHD diagnosis brought me into a whole bunch of support groups on Facebook, and then I started sharing on ADHD TikTok and then in flooded all of the other people who related to what I had to say on there. I found a community. I found people that I could just say, oh my gosh, you know, when you walk into a room and you totally forget why you walked in and then you walk out and you're like, maybe if I walk back into the room and then you walk in, you still can't remember. And instead of, you know, some of my neurotypical coworkers being like, no, that." That doesn't happen to me. Or the best was when I got, ah, that happens to me, but I'm old. That shouldn't be happening to you. Instead, I could say that to this group of ADHDers, this community, and they'd all be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that happened yesterday. <laughs> or hey, that happened last week. And then with the ASD diagnosis, I started to then explore a whole bunch of other people who had both ADHD and ASD because the ADHD experience entirely on its own is different. The autism experience entirely on its own is different. The combination of those two is my brain fighting itself even more than just the executive dysfunction part. My brain is constantly torn between this need for structure, this need for sameness, this need for routine, and then the little ADHD side that's like, but wouldn't it be fun to do something new and spontaneous? Or the ADHD going, oh my gosh, you should buy that new food. That would be so cool to try. It sounds so exciting. And then taking a bite of the new food and autism going, huh, no, that is not something I want to experience. That is too much sensory input, please, 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 please put the slimy new yogurt away. The battles aren't always fun, but being able to take myself basically like out of my body and say, oh, okay, so that's the ADHD and that's the autism. Cool. So 
who's got the better viewpoint on this thing right now? Where do I want to go with this? That helps. Now, I'm not always able to do that. That's not entirely realistic in all scenarios. There are definitely moments where one just completely overpowers the other, or where one creates issues for the other. Like Thanksgiving. Remember that story? Yeah, the ADHD creating complete chaos and autism going into meltdowns because I was so overwhelmed. Darn you, you little mini tornadoes that my ADHD likes to make. But then there's also times where they balance each other out in a really helpful way. Where my ADHD is like, oh my gosh, I really, I don't know what to do. But autism kind of hops in and is like, look, we're going to make a list. We're going to plan this out, and then we're going to make a list for that. And then I'm able to successfully do the thing because, yeah, it all worked together. These labels have changed my life in all of the ways that I described and then some. Because, hey, these labels also brought me here to this moment, talking to you on this podcast. Brought me to my ADHD coaching, which if you are an HD autistic listener, I also help with that part too. It's not just ADHD anymore. I'm not just ADHD anymore. Well, I've always been not just ADHD, but I didn't know. And now I know. And it changes everything. Oh my gosh, look at it. The label helps. I get it. I get that. Why do we need a label for so many things? Sometimes that can be overwhelming and confusing. Sometimes there are too many labels to keep up with. But the reason so many people start clinging to these labels is because it's helping them to identify a part of who they are, what makes them, them. And with that label comes a whole community of other people sharing that experience and the desire for that level of connection with other people is a very human desire. Some level, most of us just want connection. We want people to get us because that makes forming relationships easier if on some level you can connect. I hope that this week's episode was insightful and relatable. Insightful if you didn't understand the label piece and relatable for those of you that do get where I'm coming from with this. I get that not everything I share is going to jive with everybody. And that might come with a little bit of RSD trigger when I find out that not everyone likes what I have to say. But that's okay. Because as an ADHD coach, I know some great coping skills to help myself when that comes up. And one of my first coping skills is always to connect. I usually turn to my partner for that. But I also have friends and family and other people that I can share that connection with. Because connection is a very human need. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those five stars if you like the episode today. To connect with me and to learn how else I might be able to help you, don't forget to check out theadhdlady.org, where you can find my coaching services and my upcoming webinars and classes. Like ADHD and Relationships, coming up February 12th. Sign up now while those discounted tickets last. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, signing off.